We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? Always ready for rapid fire, sir. Right. Got a lot. We're going to go a lot of places. In okay. Fire all right. Let's do it. So first of all, fill in the blank. Sam Hartman citing UFC champion John Jones after the USC game is blank. I mean, it is evidence that young guys like UFC. Uh <laughs> I mean, I know there's old guys that like it too, but I'm just not one of them. So I was sitting there. It fell on deaf ears for me. And he said, you know, just like John Jones said, and you know, you may not like some of the things that he says. And I'm like, who's this John Jones? Is he is he like some controversial philosopher that I don't know of? <laughs> or, or you know, like is he some political figure? Who is this John Jones? And then I got home and I looked him up and I'm like, oh, UFC heavyweight champion. Okay. <laughs> John Jones. All right. And he just talked about butterflies and, you know, like the butterflies lined up and all this different stuff. And you're right. That's I was going to ask you if you had any idea who John Jones was. I had never heard the name, you know, you know, at least of this John Jones. I've probably heard of other John Joneses before, but not this one. Yeah. And I, you know, this isn't a popular take, I'm sure, but uh, just not a UFC guy, not an ultimate fighting guy guy i don't know and i'm not a boxing guy either so i it probably all coincides you know stick him in a cage that's true that. i don't know it's just not my thing that's true vince is a lover not a fighter he's not a fisticuffs that's kind right. of guy italian <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> now on the subject of old heads zach Uh-oh. says as a couple of olds not unlike me uh, what was your tape deck you played on repeat in high school you know this is a question for you. This is one. It's funny that you brought this up today, Zach, because somehow last week, the uh, you know money for nothing, dire straits. Are you aware of of that song? I am. A couple of, a couple of things. One, my senior year of high school, I had a Jeep, and okay. my sister was in middle school. So at the start of the school year, when the weather's nice, the top is off the Jeep, and that Dire Straits, that album, Brothers in Arms, came out, I think, like at the beginning of summer. And so, like, Money for Nothing was like the huge song. And so, in the cassette deck, 
you know, like my sister used to tell me, you know, I'd be blaring that song going to school every day. And that's all that people in middle school would talk about. <laughs> the rest of the day was was what you were was, playing. Was her sister, yeah, or her brother playing money for nothing going uh going to school. And I also literally I just found this out, you know, like the the falsetto at the beginning, the I want my MTV. I'm not gonna try to sing it in the very high pitched I want my MTV. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm glad you tried it, not me. You're welcome. That is Sting. And really? I, I had that album, you know, I had that cassette. I played it all the time. I literally found out last week that that was Sting who sings that part of the mm. song. Never knew that that was Sting with Dire Straits. So that nope. was that was the one. That was that was the big one. After that, it would probably be Back in Black, ACDC. That's nice. Those nice. I. I've given you time to think of something. Well, so I, I mean, something now. <laughs> I didn't listen to the radio that often, to be honest with you. I was Apparently listening to not. sports talk and, you know, stuff like that. But when I did throw in, now it was CDs for me, right? Uh, but when I did throw one in, I had like the uh, Dazed and Confused soundtrack. So okay. all, there's some really good music in that movie. And so I would just have that thing on repeat. Um and I listened to a lot of weird stuff when I was a kid. Like I really liked the Temptations. I really like uh, Michael Jackson. You know stuff like that. So, I, but I was very eclectic. You know, throw a little Billy Joel in there, some classic rock. Okay, yeah, so nice. I was all over. I was all over I the like place. It. But like I'm the kind of guy that I have no idea who's singing it or right. whatever. But you I just, just like enjoy to sing it. along. Yeah, I right. do. I sing along. I sound terrible. I sing along with all of it, and I don't even know who's singing it, but I enjoy it. That's right. So there you go. NH NH says first day junior year, the cult, Sonic Temple. That's a good album as well. Fire Woman, Sun King, both very sim similar sounding, right. but I like both of those as well. I've got that CD somewhere around here. Still, Ryan wants to know what hairstyles we were rocking. In high school, I did my best to avoid like the mullet, mm -hmm. and you know Ryan, I think wrestled, so like he's he's familiar with this, and I wrestled, you know, like from fifth grade all through high school, and you obviously, you know, I think now they're a little bit more lax with the hair, but we, you know, we they had are. like hair regulations. You, your hair couldn't okay. be, you know, could only be so long and all that kind of stuff. So, well, mine yeah. was really just kind of plain. I, I had hair regulations because I went to Catholic school. And ah, so you couldn't have your that. hair past the earlobes uh, at my school and you had to be clean shaven. But you could have. So the big thing when I was in high school in the late 90s was the sideburns. So like everybody oh, yeah. grew their sideburns as yep. low as they could because you could only go to the earlobes. So it's it was funny, like... though, watching like some <laughs> some high school boys try to grow their sideburns because <laughs> You know, like if the whiskers aren't quite coming uh -huh. in, it's like pointy little scraggly hairs, yes. basically. Yes. <laughs> yes, I never had that problem. I, I had the sideburns going uh, as much as I could. But yeah, I didn't really have like long hair. It was the same right. as like the length of my right. side. So, yeah. All right. Good question, Zach. Yeah. You got us kind of sidetracked there. Yes, you did. Well, that's what we do. Let's get back to some football. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fall season is incredibly busy for me, which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor Meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with this special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals to promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try too. What's more likely to happen? Notre Dame has one receiver top 100 yards in a game this season or a running back not named Audric Estime goes over 100 rushing yards in a game. I, I think this one's fairly easy. Uh, I think this is going to be a running back. I, I do. I think I think there's going to be, you know, and I, I think it might be uh, Love. I think he's got the best shot at it, to be honest with you. So I'm going to take a running back and I'll name one that's going to do it. I think so as well. And, you know, again, we kind of went into this. It's been 21 consecutive games since Notre Dame had a wide receiver with a 100-yard game. The Fiesta Bowl. Lorenzo Styles. Oh, yeah. The Fiesta Bowl. The last 100-yard receiver the Irish had. So, I agree. I, I would go with Jeremiah Love as well. I would lean that direction. But it just seems like it, it – and again – like Jesse and I were talking about yesterday, it's it's so crazy that in one game, Notre Dame had two pass plays of 70-plus yards, and neither of those receivers <laughs> got 100 yards. Got 100 yards in those games. Crazy. And they got, they got what, two-thirds of it or seven, whatever, that more than two-thirds of it on, on those one pass plays, and they still didn't get to 100 yards. <sighs> so I'm going with the running back as well. Yeah, I just don't see the consistency in the in the pass game right now. Yep. It's not that it can't be done. It's just, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in it. So, this is the one that I saved the Sam Hartman question.
question for. I'll ask my question first. Okay. So Notre Dame obviously has two losses right now with four games to go, not including a bowl. And there have been a lot of fans saying Steve Angeli needs to get more meaningful reps. So first, do you buy or sell that? Sell. It's a huge sell. Big time sell. I'm not changing anything about my depth chart to get younger guys in, right? If they prove themselves in practice and they prove to get, you know, playing time, that's one thing, right? But it's not going to be a situation where like, oh, sorry, guys, season's over. You're out. They're in. No, I'm not doing that. That's a that's a huge sell. Completely agree. This is not developmental time just because you've lost a couple games. There's still a lot to play for. You still brought in a graduate transfer quarterback. You've still got the entire team to think about. You think about next year when it's time to think about next year. But the question that does go with this that James asks, will Sam Hartman play in the bowl game with an agent opposing? So like his agent doesn't want him to. Is he going to still do it? If it's a New Year's Six game, yes, he plays. If it's not, no, he doesn't. That's my caveat. I mean, just like Sam Hartman, he could still make the decision, you know, whatever bowl game it is, to shut it down. I I tend to lean toward what you're saying there, that if it's a New Year's Six bowl, he would not opt out and he would play. Now, there's still the chance, you know, that, that he could opt out. I, I Well, sure. I think that he would do what you're saying, though. And it, it just seems like that's his personality. Agreed. You know? Agreed. It doesn't it doesn't seem like I guess, he would shut it down. I guess it wouldn't shock me if they made it into a New Year's six and he decided not to play. I guess it wouldn't shock I would be disappointed. And this is this is kind of what I'm was going to go toward yeah. this as well. He hasn't even, you know, as Mr. 2.0 says, he hasn't even played himself into a day two yet. Can we, you know, so like that's the other part. And that's what I was kind of like one of those sighs that I had, you know, like he's got a, he's not a definite NFL guy yet. There are still plenty of questions about Sam Hart. I mean, just look sure. at what's happened these last four games you know there, right. there's still a lot that he has to there was answer. opportunities for him to put the team on his shoulders and it yeah. didn't happen yeah i get that's you that. exactly right that's yeah exactly i'll give you right. that and that's and that's kind of where we're at right and there's four games left well a huge one on the road against clemson i mean if he has a coming out party against clemson i think that puts some of the doubters to rest to be honest with you because clemson's got a good defense it's on the road you know all of those different things the other three games that they're going to play it doesn't matter what he does, if I'm being honest. I mean, he still needs to go out there and be productive and be efficient and, you know, all of those different things. But he's got one more opportunity in the regular season to turn some heads of NFL execs. Then, if they do win all four games, then he gets a chance to maybe prove them wrong again in the bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I think right now he needs to play in the bowl game as as, uh, Ryan Roberts says, Sam had a sixth sixth round grade from the NFL before the season. No reason not to play. And I don't go. I don't think that whatever his grade would be now would be considerably higher. There's, there's no guarantee even right now that he's going to be at the combine in February. I hope so. I mean, there's no guarantee. Like if you're a sixth round, how many are you taking? How many quarterbacks go to the go, go there though? That's a good question. 
That's because, strange. I mean, Ryan can help us out here a little bit since he's in the chat. I mean, are there 10 quarterbacks that get invited? Is he a top 10 quarterback? Would 10 quarterbacks, you know, if he's the 10th of, uh, if he's the 10th quarterback, does that mean he's a sixth rounder? Cause we all, we all know that quarterbacks get drafted higher than, you know, maybe they should. Right. So I'm curious to see what Ryan would say to that. I saw, you know, I think it was last week at some point, like, a you know, top 10 quarterbacks through, you know, whatever weeks it was of the season. And he was not included in there, you know? So yeah, Ryan says he thinks it's usually around 15. So you would so think that he would he get be invited in that ballpark. But, so, I mean, he's got to be top 15, right? Yeah. It's got 350 be. total players. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Ryan, is he in your top 15 right now? Mr. Rise and draft. <laughs> you got all the knowledge dog. DK says Tom Brady was sixth round. That's true, but yeah, you still can't go. Okay. You still can't go on the outlier. Got that's it. how many other sixth round guys are in the hall of fame. I mean, modern sixth round guys are in the right. hall of fame. Brock Purdy babies on his way. Mm-hmm. Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. So now tell me about all the first round guys who yeah. flopped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make your, make your Ryan leaf, your, your all Ryan leaf list. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Mr. 2.0 Ian book was a third rounder. What do you want to talk about overdrafting? That would be a prime example right there. Yeah. Prime example. Yeah, Ryan says Sam almost will, will no doubt be a senior bowl or and, EWS. I think, and I can, see I think that. a senior bowl invite would be huge for him to be honest with you, because that's an opportunity to really work with NFL coaches be around those scouts for all those practices. Right. I think that would be massive for him to get a senior bowl invite. Yep. Okay. So I've got <clears throat> some audio here. This is New York yeah. post sports media columnist, Andrew Marshand on the Marshand and Oran Oran sports media podcast. The, uh, the subject of Notre Dame's, NBC football broadcast booth has kind of been a hot topic, not just in Notre Dame circles this week, but nationally after the national telecast Saturday night. So here is Andrew Marshan talking about the NBC Notre Dame TV booth. NBC, they struggled on Saturday for Notre Dame and USC, and it started with the booth. Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. I said this about Collinsworth when he first started at the Notre Dame job. He doesn't have the experience that you need uh, to to be in that role, uh, to be a play-by-player. He's a young guy, Chris Collinsworth, his son. Uh, But the idea is not that you're young or someone's son. It's that he he just doesn't feel natural in that role because he hasn't done enough games uh, to be on that level. And then you have a inexperienced game analyst in Jason Garrett, who started last year, uh, and, and they've done some games, some USFL games as well. Uh, and I actually think Garrett, what he actually says is not that bad. Um, I think there's something to work with. It's just he's uh, very low energy, a little robotic. And so I think that gets lost. Maybe with a more experienced play-by-play guy, he might come across a little better. Flood obviously has had a lot of success in his career. Even if you look at the Big Ten a team he put together with Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge, uh, they got that one right. That one's been a success. 
All right, again, so there is Andrew Marchand, who's been a guest on this show about a year ago. We talked to him right after the season, actually, about some NB, about, you know, like the, the contract and the NBC booth and all this different stuff. That was him on the Marchand and Oran Sports Media podcast. So, Vince, again, like you haven't had a chance to uh, discuss any of this this week. And again, the uh, the booth was taking some pretty big hits, and you heard what Marchand had to say. What do you think? I think he was incredibly fair i mean he's incredibly fair yeah i mean he wasn't bashing those guys but he's saying jack collinsworth doesn't have the experience to be in that booth he just doesn't have it he hasn't called enough games and you know calling games and you know this calling games is about repetition just doing it and doing it and doing it and just getting games under your belt and and just over and over and over until you become really good at it He's not ready for that yet. And I agree when it comes to Jason Garrett as well. I don't think he's bad. I just think that he's not being propped up the way he should be by a veteran play-by-play guy. Because that's what veteran play-by-play guys do. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When I started doing games with you, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. (laughs) You set me up. Like, you would set me up so I sounded good. Like, that's what a veteran play-by-play guy does and then after literally you and i doing hundreds of games together it became more natural and it became a good pairing right that's what these guys need they need more time and more reps now again you can bring along a a virgin color guy if you have a really good play-by-play veteran play-by-play guy that's just not what's happening here you've got two rookies in there who sound like rookies and it's it's a detriment to Jason Garrett, and it's not obviously doing anything for Jack Collinsworth either. No, it's not. I mean, he's just getting bashed left and right. Michael said, I haven't noticed this. I don't watch a lot of the NBC. Like Michael said, have you guys noticed NBC's pulled Jack off the Sunday night football pregame show? I hadn't noticed that. And it's funny because, either. again, it's like <laughs> earlier in the season, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast <laughs> And he just out of the blue called Jack Collinsworth. Um, what did he call him? Um, Try to think of. Um, I'll think of it later. But he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't kind to Jack I'm Collinsworth. Sure. Let's put it that way. That's nothing to do with Jack as a Nepo person. Nepo Jack. Nepo Jack. Oh, no, that, well, that makes sense. He just straight out called him Nepo Jack. You know, but that's why he so. got the job. Right. Because he sounds exactly like his dad. Right. But there's a big difference between an experienced analyst who sounds like Chris Collinsworth than and an inexperienced play-by-play announcer who sounds like Chris Collinsworth, you know, Jack well, Collinsworth. Basically. And here's the other thing, though. Chris Collinsworth is a color guy. He's not a play-by-play guy. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a big difference. Yeah, there's a big a difference in what difference. you need from those two positions. Right. But experience is still – experience is the biggest thing. And, like yes. – this to me is kind of similar to the whole, like what Monday night football went through for several years for about 15 years after Al Michaels and John Madden went over to NBC. Really the only talk you heard about the Monday night football booth, especially like it amplified in the Booger McFarland, Jason Witten failed experiment years was how bad the Monday night football booth was, you know, until Aikman and Buck took over last year. That was the whole narrative and the whole conversation, that's all anybody talked about was like, right. why is the Monday night football booth so bad? And there's some similarity as well to like when Drew Brees was 
actually doing Notre Dame football a couple of years ago. And then remember when he did the NFL playoff game and he was just horrible. And it's like, there's a big difference between when a couple million people are watching you. And now all of a sudden the audience is literally 10 times that. And like, the audience the other night wasn't 10 times the normal audience of a Notre Dame football game, but you know, that that's what happened to, to, to Drew Brees. The audience got bigger. People pay attention. Right. Yeah. And like oh, yeah. it, there's a big difference between central Michigan on Peacock when Collinsworth and Garrett are doing that game and what, seven, eight million people watching Notre Dame USC, the biggest Notre Dame USC NBC TV yeah. audience in 18 years, which is what they had the other night. There's more scrutiny because more people are watching. You know, nobody complained when it was Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge doing Notre Dame Ohio State because it was at least a competent booth. You know, Eagle's about the same age as Collinsworth, but he is 10 times more experienced and qualified. Oh, yeah. And that's essentially what it comes down to right now. If the play-by-play announcer was more qualified and better sounding, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because of some of the Agreed. stuff you were talking about. He could make Jason Garrett at least a little bit better. I've said it before. He could bring more out of Jason Garrett. And so, again, like to my Monday Night Football comparison, you don't have to have the best booth on TV you just can't have the worst booth right. on TV. Right. And that's unfortunately what NBC has when they've got these two guys together right now. It is. And it's, it, it is the worst combo on TV right now. And it's the most yeah. watched. And that's the problem, right? There are many other combos that I would rather have in the Notre Dame booth than these two. I mean, it just, it just is what it is. And again, I know I've said this a thousand times, but it's not Jason Garrett's fault. Jason Garrett comes across as, you know, not energetic and all of these different things. He's just not getting set up. I mean, it, at all. And so he's having to like pull the chain along with him, Like, and it just makes him sound even worse. Yeah. Michael wants to know why we're having this conversation. And he put an LOL at the end. Okay. <laughs> well, we're having this conversation because again, the TV audience was much bigger Saturday night. It was in prime time where more eyeballs are watching and listening, and they have been getting bashed by national outlets across the country. It's not just Notre Dame fans complaining now. It is national right. media personalities and outlets just openly on, on Twitter, on this podcast I was talking about, in print, bashing these guys. And it's, about just, it's just not a good look for anybody. What do you think about this, Sean? from uh, Beezer 12 washing beard. He says, we've been clamoring to have a Notre Dame guy in the booth. And when we have one, we crucify him. But that's because he's not good. He's not yeah. qualified. Look, people it, want it. Shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. Like what you really want is a Notre Dame analyst. Like the Correct. play-by-play guy, exactly. no matter who is, is supposed to be relatively neutral. And like, to me watching that broadcast the other night, even though I know that, we had some Notre Dame people complaining in the second half or, or, you know, like, oh, they're talking too much about USC. That's always going to be a national broadcast, especially when you have these, you know, bigger programs that Notre Dame is playing. NBC doesn't want a couple of homers in the booth. They want what's supposed to be a national broadcast. And it did feel like to me, especially from Collinsworth's standpoint, because a lot of people complain about how monotone they were and, and those kind of like, like he was trying to play it 
down the yeah, middle. And that sounded hard. like he was a Notre Dame guy. It's almost basically. trying too hard. That was the yeah. problem. And look, there have been critiques of of this guy, I, I, and I've heard them, but he's not even the best play-by-play guy to come out of Notre Dame. Mike Monaco is better than Jack Collinsworth. Mm-hmm. And Mike Monaco has a ton of experience under his belt because he's just been calling games and calling games and calling games for years. And so if the prerequisite is to have another name guy in the booth as a play-by-play guy, I would get Mike Monaco over Jack Collinsworth. I know they tried to get him on the radio a few years ago. And, you know, when when Paul Burmeister ended up getting it, but – he wanted the ability to still do his ESPN stuff and other stuff, sure. and they shot it down. They wanted his only focus to be on, you know, Notre Dame radio, which is odd because Burmeister is still allowed to do other things. He still works yeah, for NBC, true. but from, from what I've told, that's what happened. Uh, but you're, you know, and like Mike Monaco is in a much better place right now because if he were only working for NBC, what else would he be doing? I mean. Now he's doing Little League World Series. He's doing College yeah. World Series. He does Red Sox games. You know, he does he's all over the place. He does college basketball. He does other college football games. He's able to do a lot of stuff yeah. by being where he's at and getting a lot of experience, which he's, is what which bingo. is what Jack Collinsworth should have been doing. You know, and but Michael Hahn makes a very fair and very accurate point. It's not Jack and Garrett's fault that they're in the booth. It's the fault of the execs to put them there. That's right. You don't yeah, hire right. yourself. They were ultimately hired. And, and, you know, and so like not knocking them for taking the job, just they're in a national network TV broadcast booth. And that leaves them open to scrutiny every time they open their microphones. And, you know, so it's like, no, I don't blame them for taking the job, but I just, it's, it's up for criticism if they're not worthy of the job. And then, you know, again, I don't know what else to say about it. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and it, you know, and we did we did talk about it earlier in the week, but again, the reason I brought it up today is because you have yet again another, like especially in the media circles, Andrew Marchand is very well known. You know, so like he's he's someone that people at all the networks, like they're all listening to that podcast. You know, and mm-hmm. he's he's talking about it and giving his fair and honest and critique. it was fair and honest man it just was it's a, he's saying what we all have known for a, quite some time basically yeah. so on the subject of tv fill in the blank it's blank that ohio state fans were in a tizzy last weekend because they had to pay for peacock to watch the buckeyes play purdue welcome to our lives okay <laughs> Welcome to the life of being a Notre Dame fan. And the Big Ten married itself to NBC. So good luck to you because you better get the Peacock channel or Peacock app or whatever if you want to watch all your games because it's going to happen to all every one of y'all Big Ten fans. You're all going to get put on Peacock. That's it. You're all going to have to buy it. That's so, it. Sorry. That is exactly it. I mean, tell me again why Notre Dame would be better off in the Big Ten. <laughs> like, the Big Ten is getting that big fat paycheck, and they've still got to, you know, have some games on the Peacock. That's that's part of the deal, you know. You're exactly <laughs> right. You got to live with it. You want that paycheck? You got your paycheck. Yeah. 
but you're also going to have to pay to watch games on Peacock. Now, I did see there was a bar who uh, I wish I, I might actually have it right here. This was interesting because apparently, okay, so here it is. I've got it. I'm going to have to kind of squint down. A local bar posted this about Ohio State playing on Peacock. He says, I've been the biggest Ohio State fan and always will be. If this is what happening in Peacock and TV contract, it is criminal. For small businesses across Ohio and Buckeye Nation bars across the country, here's what we have to do to televise a game. Uh Direct TV customers, they have to pay $699 times 12-month commitment per TV in their establishment. So like for a bar to televise the game because it's on Peacock, there's, I think direct TV has some kind of carriage carriage deal, you know, with these streamers so that bars can do this, but it, it is a couple hundred, like over $20,000 a year, basically, because if you have, if you're going to show it on more than one TV, you've got to pay per TV. So like for the bar owners and stuff, I completely sympathize. Wow. But yeah, so that's brutal. That is brutal, man. Yeah, sell Holy a lot of beer God. and burgers to make that money back. No kidding. It's like, sorry, guys, we're not watching the game today. Uh, it's not going to be here. And you're going to take a hit, obviously, because people want to watch the game. I get that, but, man, that's brutal. Everybody's going to be watching it on their phone in the bar. That's right. Man. That's kind of funny, actually. Like if, <laughs> like if you went into a bar and everyone's – in their beer and watching games on the on their phone or they got their ipad out god how terrible people come in with their laptops you know that kind of a thing jeez zach wants to know would you rather see jim harbaugh or brian kelly fall completely flat on their face in theory come on that's easy still be easy bk always it's always bk always Anthony, will we find out more about Michigan or Penn State over the next few weeks? I mean, you're going to find out about ah, – see, there's people out there that think Michigan's the number one team in the country. I just – I totally I, don't get it. I don't get it either. I, I just think we're going to find out more about them because they yeah. still haven't played anybody yet. Correct. And Penn State's going to have – they got some tough games ahead of them, right? they got to play Michigan. they got to play Ohio State. got you Ohio know, so State this weekend. I think Penn State's better than Michigan. So, you know, we'll see what happens, obviously. But I think Michigan gets exposed. I think they're going to get exposed at some point. At least I hope they do. Maybe that's my heart talking. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we all hope so. But I, I think we're going to find out. I am I, I, I don't understand all the Michigan love simply because Man. they haven't played anybody. I don't like nobody. Because, like, they have been a solid number two behind Georgia the whole time. And there's all this other fluctuation behind them. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Throwing a baseball question for you, Mr. Yes. Cubs fan. It's blank that former Chicago Cub, Cal Schwarber, belted two more home runs for the yeah, Phillies last night to give him 18 career postseason home runs, which ties him with Reggie Jackson for the most ever by a left-handed batter. And it was his first multi postseason home run game as well, by the way. So all every time I see the highlights of Schwarber, I just think of him as a Cub. And I, you know, it's funny because you think about all of the guys that the Cubs got rid of, right? That were the core of that World Series team. 
And I think that most people would have thought Schwarber was the least of their concerns, right? Yep. Because it was Brian, it was Rizzo, it was Elmago, it, you know. Um, he's the most Contreras, productive of all of those guys. And he's the most productive now that is still going. Yep. Not still going this year, but like still playing. Like yeah. he's the most productive of that, guy of that core board. group of young guys yeah. that you just mentioned between Bryant, Rizzo, and and Baez and, and you know how easy it would have been to keep him in Chicago. Yeah, he wasn't looking for like a massive paycheck. In fact, yeah. he's bounced around with the Nationals and you know, whatever. He was with like, the Red Sox a couple years Red ago. Red Sox and the Phillies now. So yep. he would have been the easiest one to keep, and they still got rid of him. And he's the most productive. It is crazy. 13 of those home runs, because I know people say, well, expanded playoff format or whatever. 13 of those 18 postseason home runs have come in either a league championship series or the World Series. Exactly. And that is just, that makes it even more impressive to me. Like the fact that that's when he's doing it on the biggest stage. It is just crazy because he's hit 90, like in the regular season, 93 home runs, 198 RBIs the last two seasons in philly i mean like you know i know the batting average is down and everyone you know a lot of people talk about that he's got a lot of strikeouts he had he led baseball in strikeouts this year but he was also number two in walks it's like that's who he is i mean he is mr three true outcomes guy and the fact that the fact that he had what was it i think it's he had 115 hits this season drove in 104 runs that's almost an RBI every time he put, you know, he hit safely. Yeah. <laughs> I I would love to have him back. Let's just put it that way. And yes, he doesn't hit for average, but those Schwar bombs are awesome. They're yep. just awesome. I remember watching him when he was hitting them for the Cubs. I mean, he he was a hero on that on that World Series team because his first game back was the World Series. Yeah. As Michael said, now there's a DH in the National League. He can play every day. Yeah. yeah. That did kind of surprise me that knowing the DH was coming, that they didn't do more. I'm but, shocked. you know, I, I think I think he's actually benefited because Wrigley is, you know, it's not a small ball ballpark. Someone just sure. brought up, you know, that Philly is a little bit smaller. That's very true. He got to play at Fenway. That's not a big park. You know, but I also think that just like they had so many hitting coaches going in and out of Chicago, and it seemed like oh, they yeah. could never, like they were always messing with, tinkering with all of those guys you know so i think he's probably in a better place they won like i think they went 70 and 42 and they moved him to the leadoff spot this year like i mean can't argue with it right they put him in leadoff for the cubs for a while remember that yeah and that that seemed like you know they ended remember they had to send him back down to the minors afterwards because they said it screwed him up so bad. But again, remember that stretch, man? Like, yeah, he just couldn't figure anything out. It seemed like he was all tied up, but that is, it's a thing of the past now. So he was always, I loved watching him swing, you know, Me too. Like, he was always putting the barrel on the ball and they're just, they're just killing it in Philly right now. Castellanos is doing pretty well, even though he was only a part-time. He was a, he was a rental another... for the Cubs, but he's yeah. in, he won't be forgotten anytime soon. Nope. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for tonight. Appreciate y'all joining us. We will uh, be back 
once again to finish off the week. Tomorrow, Vince, I will talk to you then. Yes, sir. Hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll talk to you next time on Obby Nation Sports Talk.